just so good and we know that our names are written in heaven amen as we sing this next song let's just stand in his love amen
When darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know Oh, I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Shame no longer has a place to to the light I'm not afraid to leave my past behind Oh, I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance when I Stand in your love, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Yeah, this power that can break off every chain, this power that can empty out a grave. Resurrection power that can take power in your name. It's power in your name. This power that can break off every chain. This power that can empty out a grave. This resurrection power that.
to us, isn't he? Man, I just love the first song that we that we sung. My testimony, because our name is just, isn't the name that we're given at birth. The name that God gave us is forgiven. He tells us our name is his friend. Our name is not forsaken. Our name is love. We are loved by a gracious father. Amen. God, we just thank you. We thank you for that gracious love. The love from the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And tonight, we're going to worship that. And we're just going to thank you for that. So hear us, God. Hear our voices. Hear our praises. Hear our love. your voices.
to your life. Lift up your voice. Sing darkest time of your hour, God is still good. He's good when you're at your greatest moment. So today, no matter what you're going through, if you're in the dumps or if you're in the mountaintop, I just encourage you to join me in praying and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for all that you're doing in my life. Father God, in the good and in the bad, you are always there. Heavenly Father, right now I pray an outpouring of your Holy Spirit right here and everyone online. 
that Father God, our online audience would know that you are there just as much as you are here. And I want you to know, online audience, you are here with us. We love you. We're so glad you joined us. But Father, move in a supernatural way. Father God, heal the sick. Minister to the brokenhearted. Minister, Father God, to the broken in communication and family marriages and children with parents and siblings. And Father God, communication in the workplace, at school, wherever they might be, that God, you would bring healing to friendships and relationships. Now, Father God, we're believing you to speak to us tonight. For our ears are tuned in to your Holy Spirit. So close out every other noise that might distract us from hearing you. And let us be able to completely open ourselves up to you. To your blessing, your healing power, your anointing. Father God, might your spirit fill us to overflowing. So we can minister to people out of the overflow. Father, our state legislature will close down tomorrow. And God, we're believing that, Lord, it's just going to be a good journey, or it's, it's in a week from tomorrow. God, I just pray that, Lord, good laws are passed and that, Lord, foolishness is not done, that, God, they truly represent New Mexicans and not themselves. Father, minister supernaturally to each one of us. And I pray this in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and God's people said, Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Just sing it out. Say, God is so good. Say it, say it, say it from your heart. Yes, He is. Sing it out. God, you're so good. Oh, let Him hear it to His heart. God, you're so good. You're so Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you came to church tonight. I'm so glad you came to church tonight. God bless you. Then you can take your seats. Guys, I just want to remind you that uh, tomorrow or Friday night, we're having the uh, family valentine's day dance parents with children so single parents or or parents come with your kids and just let them have a lot of fun they're going to have a lot of really neat stuff for children but you're going to get to dance with your baby you're going to dance with your son and who knows mom and dad they might show you some good moves hey saturday is a men's breakfast and i don't know about you it's one of the most fun time for men to get together they get together and they, it's not that we sit around and counsel each other. But you know what we do? We get together and laugh with each other, encourage each other, minister to each other, pray with each other, hear the word, eat some really, really good food. Uh, man, it's just a wonderful time. So the guys start cooking at 7 in the morning. They start bringing out the grills and all that. And, uh, and then about 9 o'clock, we sit down to eat. Uh, the word is, is broken open. We just have a good time. So I hope and pray that you're going to be able to be here, men. Ladies, let your husband come to the men's breakfast. And on the honeydew list, put 8 o'clock in the morning, go to church, go to the men's breakfast. 
and it's uh, BYOB, but that doesn't mean bring your own bottle. It means bring your own breakfast, okay? So bring whatever you like to fix, and the guys cook it up, and it's a blast. I want to remind you, Saturday, this Monday is Valentine's Day, okay? So don't forget that. But if you want to party all weekend, Saturday, under his construction, is having a Valentine's Day dance. And I mean, it's going to be one romantic evening. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a boogie night, dun, 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 and on and on. It's going to just be a lot of fun, okay? We hope that you'll uh, go out there. There's still tickets on sale, uh, and they're hoping that you will be there. It's from 6 to 9 on Saturday the 12th. And we have child dedication this Sunday. If you've never dedicated your child to the Lord, um, it's so important that you do that and that you uh, really uh, participate in that. And don't forget this, not this Friday, but next, we're going to do our food distribution, and that's going to be a, a great time. When you came in, you should have received an outline. If you didn't, they're passing them out right now. If you don't have an outline for tonight's study, raise your hand and they'll get one to you. So we got some up here. Anyone over here? Uh, anyway, so I think everyone has one. I want you to know that that starting tonight, up front, we got the front row. They're getting to you guys all, all the way to the end. Um, we have a very, very, very special treat. Um, Anthony Griego is an incredible brother. He loves the Lord. Anthony is an engineer by trade. He worked at Sandia Laboratories for many, many years, uh, working on top-secret stuff that he can't tell you about. But if you see people that glow in the dark, he made that happen, okay? <laughs> no, no, but he was an engineer at Sandia Laboratories. But he studied at Dallas Seminary, uh, and he was educated in breaking open the Word of God. And he does an amazing job of it. And for the next four weeks, he's going to be teaching and breaking open the Word of God. Anthony has been a pastor. He and his wife pastored um, before. Uh, he is a professor. He teaches in the Ukraine. And right now, the Ukraine is under attack, or it's a very volatile situation there. So be praying for them. He pastors a lot and teaches a lot of pastors from the Ukraine. He also teaches at a university in Flagstaff. Uh, and does an amazing job there. But tonight, we are really blessed to have Anthony break open the Word of God here at New Beginnings. So would you please welcome Anthony Griego. Thank you. Good evening. I do tend to not speak very loudly, so if you can't hear me, scream and say, speak up. Um, first off, I want to thank Pastor Mansfield for this opportunity to bring the Word of God to you. Um, from this pulpit, being the good shepherd that he is, he does not turn this opportunity over to many people, which is what is correct. He's very, very careful as to who comes before his sheep, because he loves you. Amen. Amen. Also, I want to make sure that in this evening that we purpose nothing more, I purpose nothing more, but to give God the glory for everything 
if anything is of myself, I pray that by the end of the evening, it will have gone past you. But I pray that if it's of God, it will stick hard and that you'll go home different. I do want to just recognize uh, my theology sparring partner, my wife, Vivian, who keeps me on track sometimes when I go off and just thank her for the many hours that she gives me to be able to study and do this. So the next week is going to be, why can we believe the word of God? And and I'm not going to give you more than just a, a, a notice about that. If you've ever been in a conversation and somebody told you that they don't believe the word of God because it's written just by men or that it's full of errors, if you are here next week, I will give you enough ammunition to be able to shut them down in a, in a very godly manner, of course, right? That's what pastor would want, yes. Uh, the third week, we'll be doing how to effectively study the, the Scripture, and the fourth week, how to effectively apply it. Because unless we get it to application, it just remains up here, and it doesn't, it doesn't do much. Um, from the songs that we sang this, this evening, I could probably say, you know, you've already heard my message. Let's just, you know, say goodnight and go home. But you'll see what I mean as we get through this. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to be studying six verses, 15 through 20. <clears throat> now, the one thing that I know for sure about Pastor Mansfield in the years that we've been here is that if he isn't thinking about God himself, if he isn't thinking about his own family needs, I suspect he goes to bed thinking about you people and those that aren't even in this room tonight. And I suspect that he wakes up thinking about you people and those who aren't in this room tonight because that's the kind of shepherd that he is. And so not only does he want people to come to, the, to know the Lord as their personal Savior, but he wants them to mature, to grow spiritually so that they can learn to walk effectively in their Christian life. But have you ever wondered what the difference is between somebody who becomes a Christian and succeeds in the Christian life and somebody who becomes a Christian and falters and struggles? We're going to look at that tonight because there is a difference, and we're going to explore what that is from this passage when I was at UNM uh, studying engineering, I got involved with the Navigators, which is a Christian organization. Uh, in fact, they consider themselves kind of like the, the Marine Corps, the Marine Corps of Christian organizations. These guys are, are tough. Um, it, it, it came out of the uh, U.S. Navy. Men in the Navy became Christians, and then it just spread. And they're on college campuses, and they, they got hold of me while I was at UNM. And every summer they would offer training programs, five week. And so I signed up for one of these. In fact, I went to three of them. But the first one I signed up to, we would work at a Christian camp all through the day doing maintenance on the, on the camp itself. And then in the evening, we would focus on spiritual growth. We'd have Bible study. They teach us how to memorize scripture, how to pray, how to have a quiet time, all these practices for a good Christian life, Right? So as we were winding down the five weeks together, there were about 24 of us from college students throughout the, from, from throughout the Western United States, different universities. And as, as it must have been like the day before the camp actually finished. 
our leader and his wife sat there with us all. And he's normally a really jolly guy, but with a very, very serious look. He says, you know what? There's 24 of us here today. Statistically speaking, two out of the 24 will not be on fire for the Lord in four years. In six years, it'll probably be four. In eight years, it'll probably be six. And we were all, we were all thinking, you know, you know, like we're, we're in the gospel, when Jesus says, one of you is going to be, betray me, right? You're thinking, Lord, not me, not me. It won't be me. Because how do you react when somebody tells you, oh, you can't do that? Tell me, guys, what do you do? I'm going to show you, buddy. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know who you're talking to, right? That's what we do. So we dig deeper and we say, okay, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to do this. But the problem with that is that we don't have in ourselves what it takes to make it work. And there is a difference between those who succeed, who flourish in their Christian life, and not that they don't have struggles, just like the rest of us, but there is a difference between those who succeed and those who struggle. And we're going to look at this. So, we are looking at Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll, we'll see why the Word of God is important. Ephesians 1, chapter 15. Paul is writing from prison, and he's writing to this church in Ephesus, and he's visited this church. In fact, he spent quite a bit of time with these believers. And he says this, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere... I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ himself from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the truth that it brings to us. We pray to God, indeed, that you would take it to our hearts, through our minds, to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me grab a... I normally don't stop for water, but I will. So the first thing you see in verse 17 of this, well, even before that, verse 15 the way I study the scripture is you have to learn how to observe what the passage is actually saying. You have to look very, very carefully. And so the first thing you, you ask, or I ask myself, what does Paul know about these people? And he says, I know that they're believers. Why? Because of their faith and because of their love for the brethren. Jesus says what? You will know them by their love for one another, right? Paul says, I can see that in you. I can see that in, this pe- in these people here, right? We love each other. And Paul knows that about the Ephesians. So what, 
When does Paul pray for them? It says that he prays constantly. Now, that doesn't mean he's on his knees 24-7, right? But they're on his mind, and he is lifting up before God at every remembrance of them. That's the way he prays. And then, how does he pray? First of all, he thanks God, right? He thanks God for these people that God has reached into their lives and brought them to salvation. And then secondly, just like the rest of us, after we thank God, what do we say? Okay, God, here's my list. This is what I want, Lord, right? And that's what he does. He says, I'm going to ask you, God, I'm going to ask you to give these believers spiritual wisdom and insight. This is in verse 17. Spiritual insight has to do with what we know, okay? The word insight there in the New, uh, in the New Living Translation is actually the word, the same word, revelation. It's the title of the last book of our Bible, Revelation. And so he is asking, he says, Lord, I want you to give them a revelation. I want you to give them substance as to what they know. Okay? So that's the first thing he wants them to do, is to increase in what they know. In Proverbs chapter, chapter 1, verse 5a, he says, A wise man will hear and increase in learning. So a wise man is always looking to learn something, right? And especially hear from God. But knowledge is never enough unless you do something with it. And so the second thing that he prays there is he says, I want you to give them spiritual wisdom. It has to do with our willingness to apply what we know. Proverbs 1.5, the second part of that, it says a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. He learns to apply it, Okay. So all of us, all of us eat, right? I'm sure all of us ate today. Probably ate regularly. If you're careful, you are selective as to what you take in. But then the question is, what do you do with what you take it in? You see, knowledge can be that way where we can, we can be overstuffed with knowledge. But what do we do with it, right? So in this, in this passage, it says that, Paul is praying for these two things, spiritual insight, a revelation, knowledge, and then wisdom, the willingness to do something with it. Why does Paul pray for these things? And in the NLT, twice it has the phrase, so that, okay? So if I tell you, I'm going to do such and such so that this happens, and then I'm going to do this so that this happens, that's exactly what Paul is doing here. So the first so that he wants is for their minds to grow in the knowledge of God. Now, knowledge of God comes to us in two ways. Um, one is called general revelation. And what that means is that everybody in this world knows that there is a God. That's what the scriptures say. They may deny it, but they know it. Genesis 1, 1 through 3 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So God spoke to nothing, and there was something. God spoke to chaos, and there was order. God spoke to darkness, and there was light. And you turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 18. This is what it reads. 
they, the world, everybody, everybody knows the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth, the sky, through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. They don't have any excuse. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God, even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Now, the thing here is that what the Scripture tells us, there is a general revelation that applies to everybody, no matter where they live. If you live out in the jungle, God has revealed to everybody that he exists just by the very creation that they live in. That's general revelation. There's a second type of revelation called special revelation. And what that means is that if you, if you really want to know the character of God, you have to look somewhere else other than the sky. You have to look someplace else other than even, even ourselves. The only place to look for that is in the Word of God. In John 5, 39, it says, You search the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the Scriptures point to me. See, where, where else would you ever get the idea that there is a God who is righteous, a God that is holy, a God that is just, a God that is loving, a God that is merciful? You see, if you didn't have the word of God, you wouldn't know that. You would know that there is a God that exists, but you wouldn't know the God as he is. You see what I'm saying? The word of God is crucial because that's the only place you get that. And, and through ages of history, people, even non-believers today, they all want to believe in, in a good, loving God. And yet they'll reject the Bible. And you're saying, now where do you get the idea that there is such a God if you don't see it in the Scripture? Where do you get that? You see, what they do is they selectively pick what they like. And no, I don't, I don't want the rest of that. You see what I'm saying? But this is special revelation. In Ephesians 3, verse 3 through 6, he says, as I briefly wrote earlier, he's writing, he's writing the scriptures, Paul. God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I've written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to, to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Where would we ever get that idea that God would care for us but from the Word of God? It's not out there. It's only in the revelation that we get in the Word of God. We only know his character by special revelation. And we all have theology. You know that? Everybody does. If you talk to an atheist... Their theology is that there is no God, but that's their theology. 
If you talk to an agnostic, they believe there is a God, but you can't know anything about him. But that's their theology. If you talk to a theist, they believe there is a God, but he could be anything. It could be a tree, it could be a rock, it could be the stars, it could be a crystal, right? Being, believing in God isn't sufficient. The Word of God tells us who this God is that we are to believe in. A.W. Tozer, he is, a, he is a, a man who became a Christian 17 years old listening to a street preacher on a street in Ohio. Never went to Bible college, never went to seminary, but he applied himself to the word of God and God used him mightily. If you, got a, if you have a special, any extra time sometime, look up quotes by A.W. Tozer and, and it, you'll be there for an hour. This man, he reminds me of Pastor Mansfield in a sense because he was, I believe, in the Methodist church initially, but they didn't let him practice because he didn't have a degree in Bible. And he studied and he studied and he studied. And he went off and he ended up joining a um, Missionary Alliance church. And his first church, you know what it was called? Southside. <laughs> Southside Chicago and that's where he, he was for 30-some years, an amazing man. But he, re, he, he writes this. He says, what comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us because what you think about God impacts everything in your life, everything. And people may not realize that, but that's, what, that's the way it works. Because what you think affects what you do, and what you think about God affects who you are. That's the way it works. So general revelation tells us and tells everybody who has ever lived that there is a God. Special revelation tells us about that God, but knowledge alone doesn't get us where God wants us. So Paul continues to pray, and this is in verse 18, that their hearts will be flooded with light. Now, what does light do? Let me give you an example. Look around this room, who you're sitting next to, about the pew you're in, right? Now, if I asked them to shut off all the lights in this room and that there was no light coming in from the outside room, right? You know what's in this room. You tell me how easy it's going to get to get out of here without bumps and bruises. It ain't going to happen, is it? We're going to be stumbling over each other. We're going to be bumping into chairs or posts or something like that. Light gives you the ability to apply what you know. It gives you understanding, right? And so God doesn't want them just to, to know. He wants them to understand. And this is the three things that he wants to get across to us, okay? In verse 18, he, he says, the sureness of the relationship, he says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. And here's the so that, you see that? So that you can understand the confident hope he has given those he has called. So that's number one, the confident hope. The song that we talked about that our, our names are, we have a reservation in heaven, that is our hope, right? How confident are you in that hope? Paul is saying, I want these people 
by what they know and what they understand, I want them to have a confident hope in this relationship. You know, when you were in middle school, and maybe this wasn't you, maybe you were, you were very popular. Uh, I won't say I was. But you, you, you had a crush on a girl or a girl crush on a guy, right? And you would pass in the hallway and they would look at you and you'd look at them and you'd think, oh, she likes me, she likes me, you know? And then nothing for next week. And you're thinking, well, well, what's with that, right? What's with that? You don't have a relationship because there's no confidence in the way she feels about you, right? Same thing, you who are parents, every time your son or your daughter, they mess up. You don't, you don't threaten to disown them, you know, right? We don't do that. Even, even Jesus says, you know, oh, you know, you guys who are fathers, you give your kids good things. How much better the Father in heaven, right? So if, if we in this world as earthly fathers aren't going to be yanking the chain on our kids and say, well, I'm going to send you back to the hospital or I'm going to, you know, get my money back or go, go, go live somebody else, you know? You know, what kind of relationship is that going to be? Without stability, you don't have a good relationship, right? And so God wants, Paul wants the Ephesians to be convinced, what does it say? To have a confident hope that their place in heaven is secure. Their reservation is already bought and paid for, amen? Right? Right? They're not waiting for payment anymore. It's already done. And so we don't, we don't threaten our kids. God doesn't threaten us. When we sin, he knows we sin. We know we sin. We admit it and we move on, right? So he knows, he knows us. We're in this relationship. In fact, we're not just in this relationship with any God. This is the God, Jesus Christ, who says, what about divorce? I hate divorce. Why? Because it leaves a couple in a, in a state of instability, right? As they're, as they're talking, even divorce. It's not a good thing to do. We all have problems. We all have conflicts. But we try not to ever bring up that D word because you know what? It doesn't help the relationship, right? It does not. And see, that's the same with God. He doesn't want us to think ever that our relationship is conditional. It's already bought and paid for. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you, you know, I, I mentioned that, that the navigators are, are like hardcore. Um, you got to talk to Bob and Claudia if you don't know them. They're, they're not here tonight, I don't think. But, you know, normally what you do is, is you're memorizing two verses a week. And, and tonight you're going to memorize three tonight, okay? Three before you leave this room. The first one is this, Job 19.25. You don't even have to write it down. I know that my Redeemer lives. Everybody can say that, right? I know that my lives. You got it. That's number one. Is that hard to learn? No, okay. Let's go on to number two. The other thing that Paul wants for them um, is in verse 18 also. A confident hope. He is given to those, given to those. He is called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. What that is saying, he wants, Paul wants these people to know 
that they are valued by God. They're what he is waiting for. If you knew you were in line to inherit a million dollars, right? That's significant. We as saved, redeemed people are the inheritance to Christ because he bought us, right? And he wants us to know that God looks at us and he sees riches. He sees riches. And we look at ourselves and say, yeah, mm, I don't know, man. You know, this doesn't look like, doesn't look like, you know, what, what, maybe I'm not wearing his glasses. The point being is that he cares for us, but he has demonstrated it, right? I have a friend of mine that I met in middle school and we went together all through high school at Albuquerque High. And his mom was hardcore, man. She was tough. Uh, She was divorced, and maybe that was part of it. I don't know. But I would ask Eddie, I'd say, Eddie, what are you going to get your mom for Christmas? And he'd tell me, she's not letting me get anything. I said, why? Because she does not want me to give her a present for Christmas, for Mother's Day, for her birthday, for any official day. Because she says, if you give it because you feel you have to, I don't want it. Yeah, we, you know. So, so I said, fine, you know. The point being is that it doesn't count if you only do it because you have to. It doesn't matter, does it? But what communicates value is when you do it when you don't have to, when you're not under obligation. And Christ comes and he dies. He didn't have to, but he did. And he wanted to. And he wanted to demonstrate that love and his value of you and me by his death on the cross. Second verse you're going to learn, Song of Solomon 2.4. This is a tough one. His banner over me is love. Everybody got that down? His banner over me is love. And what's the first one? My Redeemer lives. Good. Two points over here. Good. (laughs) Okay. The third thing that Paul wants here for them to understand and to be able to experience, he says um, in verse, uh, let's see, this would be, I have it, 19. He wants them to understand the power that is available to them. He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This isn't just any power. He goes on to describe it. He says, this is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. This is just no ordinary power. This is what God offers to us. And you know what happens to a lot of believers, especially as they begin to struggle? They begin to think that they're missing something that God hasn't provided to them. There was a very wealthy man, William Randolph Hearst, and he owned the San Francisco Examiner, the newspaper. His company, he's long passed away. His company is the one that owns ESPN for you guys, right? Money. This guy was wealthy, wealthy. He liked art. And so one day he came across a picture somewhere of this particular piece of art. 
And he already had a whole gallery of art. And he got his, his art curator, and he says, look, I don't care what it costs. I want you to find this piece of art, and I want you to buy it and put it into my, into my gallery. And this guy went off looking for it and looking and looking, and finally he comes back to Mr. Hurst, and he says, sir, it's already in your gallery. You already have it. But see, that's the way we are sometimes as believers. We think that God has shortchanged us somewhere, that he hasn't given us everything that we need for life and godliness, but he has. And these three things are what, what Paul wants us to know, that we have this hope, right? That we are valued and that we have his power available to do his will, whatever that would be. So the third verse you're going to learn tonight, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Very good. What's the second one? His banner over me is? And? I know that my Redeemer lives. Three verses, you've mastered them. Those three things are going to help you succeed in your walk with the Lord. But you need the Word of God to be able to know God, to be able to know how to bring this together. God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. But we will not know the impossible if we only see what we, if we only believe what we see in this world. The pity is, is that many of us only plan to do things that we can do in our own strength. And we leave the power of God sitting on the bench. And it shouldn't be that way. Our prayer for you, and I know your prayer for each other, is that all of us, in one year from now, even in a month from now, but in 10 years from now, that all of us are walking firmly for the Lord, living for the Lord. And are there, are there traps out there? Yes, there are. Are there things that will want to bring us down? Yes, they, yes, plenty of them, right? They're there. But we have a hope that will not disappoint us. We want to be confident in that hope. When we're down, you go back and you say, Lord, I know I have a reservation, don't I, Lord? And he'll say, yes, you do. Yes, you do. It's already bought and paid for. And God, I know I, know I messed up right? Yes, I know. And let me tell you about how I messed up. And he said, okay, yeah, go for it. And he'll say, is that all you got? I love you. And he cannot love you any more than he does right now. You know that? If God is perfect in love, he cannot, he absolutely cannot love you more than he does right now. He can't love you any less. He loves us. And finally, the power, the power that he offers to us, we can't see it. It isn't tangible. The results of it can be seen. The results of it can be measured. But the power is there.
Now, I know that the pain and suffering that many people are in, it's hard for them to believe in God. There's three things. Sometimes they'll accept the fact that God knows that we have problems, even that he cares, but maybe that he's just not powerful enough to do anything about it. That God is up there saying, oh my, oh my, he's, look at that, you know, he's so, but he can't help. And other people may accept the fact that he cares and that he's powerful, but he doesn't know. So he's up there with all this power and a heart as big as the world, but he's not aware as to what's going on in your life. That's not the God of the Bible. And others may accept the fact that he's powerful and that he, that he knows but that he just doesn't care. And some people who are hurting sometimes come to that conclusion, don't they? They can believe that there's a powerful God out there, and they can believe that he even knows their situation, but they come to the conclusion wrongly that he just must not care. But the Word of God tells us that's not so. That is why the Word of God is crucial in our lives, because we do have a God who cares, who knows, and who is powerful. For us who are believers, we have those three assurances. But for people who do not yet know and understand the gospel, they may not fully understand what I'm talking about. And surely they cannot be partakers of that until they come to realize that. When I was in... in in high school, I was going to Bible study twice a week. We had a, a meeting on Tuesday night and one on Thursday night. And I went for well over a year and heard the gospel, I'm sure, every time I was there. But it was well over a year until finally one, one night I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, the gospel, I get it. I understand it. And it changed my life. And so there's a lot of people who go to church, a lot of people who pray, a lot of people who do a lot of good things, but if they don't understand that Jesus Christ has died and paid for their sin, and that they don't, if they don't understand, they have to say, okay, I'll accept that payment against my debt. Then these three things are not theirs yet. And so I would invite anybody, either here in this room or online, to consider where you're at. Because if it's not clear in your mind that you truly have accepted Christ's death as payment for your sin, then we want to help you to make sure you understand that. And after you understand that, you know, my way of doing this is I'll I'll try to help you to understand, and then I'll say, okay, you know what? It's your choice. I'm not going to push you anyway. Nobody pushed me. The Holy Spirit... He can do the job, right? Can't he? Right? My job is to try to make it clear, and that's what I want to do. So if there is anybody in this room that does not fully or clearly understand the gospel, do not be shy. If if you don't want to come forward, you know, you can come and talk to me later. Obviously, you can talk to pastor, to, to the other, almost anybody in here, right? But it is crucial that you understand because otherwise you don't have a reservation and you can't have a confident hope and you can't understand the love that and value that God puts upon you 
And you can't access the power that he wants to make available to you. But God would want to change that for you tonight. Is there anybody? We have one. Anybody else? I, 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 would, I would encourage nobody to be shy. I tell you, for over a year, I heard the gospel, and it just didn't make sense to me. I was still trying to do things myself. I was digging in because I was going to do it, God. I'll show you. But the reality is I can't, and you can't. Would you come pray, please, with me? Anybody else? And then for us who are believers, I know there is suffering. God knows. God cares. And God is able. He is. That's what his word tells us. That's what Paul wanted these Ephesians to know because he wanted them to succeed in their walk with the Lord. My prayer, our prayer for all of us is that next month, six months, six years, 60 years, whatever it is, that we will still be burning bright for the Lord. Amen? Should I close and pray? Let's pray. If you'll stand, please. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you revealed yourself to the entire world, Lord, that you are there, that you are powerful. But, Lord, we are so grateful that you gave us special revelation through your word to tell us who you are, what you're like, and what you want for us and for our lives. Father, you want good, and we know hardship comes, but in the midst of it, Father, your word tells us that you have given us confidence in our relationship with you. You have given us, Father, a value that we could never earn, and that you provide for us, Lord, a power that we cannot access in any other way but through you. We praise you, Lord, and thank you, God, for your word this day. For each person here, each person online, Father, that you would be glorified as we open ourselves up to your word. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. I encourage you to come up for prayer if uh, you just need more confidence. You feel like, man, sometimes I just lose my my focus. I, I, I lose my direction. Maybe you really need the power that you need to carry it out. And you're lacking that power. And you don't feel like his elect. You don't feel like his excellence. You don't feel like his inheritance. I encourage you to come up for prayer as we close out with this amazing song, declaring how great he is and how great he wants to be in you. Sing it out, would you?
Lift up your voices. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so so good to us. Let's sing it to him. Father, we have come before you tonight, and we have heard the word broke open to us. 
Thank you for Pastor Anthony Griego. And thank you for his word. Father, I pray that we really leave enlightened, Lord. Illuminate the path before us. Thy word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Lord, he spoke about enlightening the way to see. To see the things that were hidden one time in darkness because we were lost. To have a confidence that not a cockiness, not an arrogance, but a confidence knowing in our knower that we know God. We've come to know him, that we are his children. And because we're his inheritance, we are his. God, you've made your power available to us. So God, I pray that, Lord God, as we uh, prepare for next week, that we really read into John chapter 5 and we start seeing how truly you have laid everything out for us. So God, I pray that until Sunday, that God, we can keep making the decisions we need to make to be victorious. God, help us and strengthen us until we meet on Sunday. I pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We love you, church. Give someone some love on the way out. Let them know you're glad you got to see them. And we'll see you at the men's breakfast on Saturday morning. testimony from death to life